Welcome to the Trinity Baptist Church podcast with Senior Pastor Matt Homeyer. For more information about our church and to keep up to date with the latest resources, visit our website at trinitybaptist.org. Enjoy the podcast. glad you are here with us today at Trinity Baptist Church. It is a good morning to be in worship. Let me pray for us as we begin this sermon moment. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, we echo the prayer of that song that you would be faithful to your promise to go before us in our way, to come behind us in our way, to undergird and uplift us in this journey of life that you've placed upon to hover above us in protection to surround us on every side father with your presence going so far as to even be within us god this miracle this wonder that it takes a lifetime to begin to comprehend and an eternity to live into Stir in our midst, Holy Spirit, as we speak. As we give praise for the ways you've worked in our past, as we perhaps uncover hurt and pain in our past, asking you to redeem it. As we look forward into how we are living into forming a world that follows you more closely. Speak to us today as we have need. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, we are uh, beginning a new sermon series today that will carry us through um, almost to Thanksgiving, just about to Thanksgiving. We're calling uh, Forming Faithful Families or Faith Family Formation. We toyed with enough of these alliterative phrases that I'm going to get it two or three ways over the course of this series. You're going to understand what I'm talking about, though. What is our role in forming families of faith, forming family units, families any way God creates families, and he creates them many different ways in our world that, that follow him and, and, and are faithful in their witness in the world. Oh, we're going to talk kind of about family in general today and kind of set up the series. Uh, over the coming weeks, we'll look at marriage and singleness. We'll look at, at parenting and, and the role of, of the Holy Spirit in shaping us as parents, but also as children, as, as small children, as adult children. God works in this. We'll look at flawed families when our families are less than we would like them to be. Where, where is God in that? How are we formed in that? And we'll look at intergenerational family or formation, particularly looking at, at the older adult stage. How does God use us at, at differing stages of life in unique ways for his purpose? How does he shape us? Uh, we'll be, again, looking at each of these each week. But there's going to be two questions, really, that are today's questions. But these questions will carry us throughout this series that I want us to be thinking about. Because this has kind of, a, we're standing at a place in time to talk about this today. And it's going to require us over this series to look back 
and give thanks for some things and reconcile some things and, and reflect on some things and also to look forward and, and to consider how God is leading us from this point forward. Because when we talk about family, we're talking about something that we have great history in, right, for all of our life and that we also have great hope in for the future of our life, whatever stage we in. So, so the two questions are this. We'll go over them each week, but particular today. How have you been shaped by your family story? Uh, this is something we'll, we'll come back to a couple times today. But how has being a part of the family you're in or the families you're in, how has that shaped your character? How's that shaped your personality? How has that shaped your faith? How have you been shaped and formed in some good ways and maybe some bad ways? by your family. We need all of us to reflect on that, give praise for that, reconcile to some things, repent of some things perhaps. And then how is God using you now at your stage of life and the, the families you're a part of to shape a faithful family today and in the years to come? This is really our quest, the questions we're going to be looking at together from various angles, various vantage points, various places in scripture over the coming weeks. For much of my life, until about 25, I thought I came from a very normal family. And I put that in quotes. For as we will see, there are no normal families. I will not tell many stories because my grandpa and my dad watched this on Monday afternoons. And so I would get in trouble, perhaps some stories. But I thought I was part of a normal family. And then I got married. <laughs> Y'all know where this is going. And I had to both let someone else into this family, Kelly, and, and let her see all of our eccentricities and all of our habits and foibles and fables and all of these things. And then even worse, explain to her why we did some of the things we did. And I have never seen thought we were so crazy as those first couple years of marriage. And she would say, why does that happen? Why do y'all do this? Why do y'all run as a herd? When did that person get out of prison? You know, just those questions that you've got to answer. All of us do from some of the ins and outlines. Y'all are laughing. I'm not laughing. <laughs> why we were the way we were. And much of it was wonderful and much of it was so odd and particular to us. Much of that odd was endearing. Some of that was not. And marriage helped me work through some of that. Then our first Christmas as a married couple, we went to Kelly's family and it was my turn to say, why do you do, y'all, you know, there's just some things that are virtually unforgivable. They open Christmas presents on Christmas Eve. Have you heard of some of the pagan families that do this? <laughs> just kidding. You may do this in your family. But they also grilled steak and shrimp on Christmas Day instead of that dried out turkey. So it all balanced out in the end. Let's start here. There are no normal families, quote unquote, normal families. Right? We have in America, post-World War II, this idea of the quote-unquote nuclear family of mom, dad, two and a half kids, right? A dog and one and a half cars and something like that. That's not the norm. It never has been, never, never will be. It's certainly not statistical. There are a few of, of these out there. All families are odd. All families have their eccentricities. All family have their, their weird habits. Again, some of which are endearing. 
some of which are, are painful, some of which stray into the abusive. But regardless of how, and, and I would say this, families are now, particularly now, construed all sorts of ways. We have family by blood. We have family by choice. Kelly and I have, have a family that's unofficially adopted in, friends that we've made over the years that we love, support, feel, form our own circle around that, that have been chosen family for us. Families are construed a lot of different ways, and that's a really good thing, ultimately, that we're not just stuck with who we're born into, we can bless that and expand that. And that's important to know that's biblical in many ways. You know, regardless of how you feel and think about your family, and as many of us are here, when we start talking about looking back on family, look at present, looking forward, there are a lot of feelings and thoughts among us, many good and thankful and many really difficult In fact, there's probably tension in your row as some of you are thinking and feeling differently about this among us as we do that. To get at family is to get at the core of who we are and the core of our life. But family, those feelings illustrate this, is the largest single force in the world that shapes us into who we are. Perhaps that's an obvious statement, But it's true, particularly that family of origin, the family that you grew up with. I mean, I've been out of the house much longer than I was in the house. I've lived a third of my life longer out of the house than in, and many of you are far beyond that. You've been out of the house a long time, some of you all. But it's still that 18 years in my family of origin, the family I was born into and was raised with, that shaped me more than anything else. Now, since I've been out of the house, I've been to college and and seen various parts of the world and met Kelly and and got married and and got degrees and and had children and moved two or three times and did any number of different things that have shaped me and formed me and go into who who I am today and continue to uh, some new roles we've added, right? Like dad and, and uncle and things that I didn't know how to be at 18, but now I do. But still who I am, who we are, so much of that is formed in that family of origin. Family is the single largest force that shapes us into who we are. Whether you grew up with siblings or were an only child, whether you you had a mom and dad or a single parent or or were raised by grandparents, whether you you were affluent or whether you were not, whether you grew up in a city or whether you grew up in a small town. Recently, I told my kids about going school shopping growing up and they said, what's that? And I was like, it's when you lived far from the city and you had one day to get everything you needed at North Star Mall or Ingram Park Mall for school. You had one day to go school shopping. My kids are city kids and I'm still reconciling with that. It it will shape them into who they are. All of these factors go into forming your personality. Oftentimes we're not aware of until years later. My dad was over at the house a few weeks ago and and we were looking at something on his phone and my wife snapped a picture and we are sitting exactly the same. We are almost wearing the same thing like fishing shirts. You know, we look so similar. How many times, those of you who are over, I don't know, 28 or so, Have you found yourself doing something your parents did, saying something your parents said, the thing you said you would never do? We become this. We're shaped in ways we don't discover for years. 
by our family of origin and the families we grow up in. And if your stories to me and your sto the stories I've received from church members over 20 years are any indication, this doesn't just happen in your 20s, 30s, and 40s, but it continues for the rest of your life. I remember visiting in Marble Falls with this sweet lady who was 102, reflecting on her alcoholic father and the differing alcoholics in her family and how that has shaped her. She had had this wonderful life and a, a blessed life was this saintly woman beloved by her family and at 102 was still reflecting on some of the pain from her childhood and how 80 years before and how she was living in light of that. Our family is always shaping us. That influence is always there. So it's really important as people of faith that we reflect upon how has this shaped us in good and bad ways. And however, wherever that story is, starting now, what is our decision? Where do we kind of stake our claim in the family we want to shape in the years ahead, the families that we are part of? So I'm going to make a couple assertions here that will build this series on and kind of bring us into the text this morning in Joshua that we'll get to. I've kind of talked around this, but we'll talk about it a little more sociologically. Family is the fundamental building block of society. Now, if we think about that for a minute, most of what we maybe know or, or most of what we learn and certainly in Western culture says that, you know, the individual would be the fundamental unit of society, that everything boils down to individual, individual rights, any number of things like that. I, I, I think we have that backward. I think family, again, construed a lot of different ways, creatively, is the fundamental unit of society, the irreducible unit, that without that... The, the connections we have between us would break down. We could be a collection of individuals, but have nothing that bonds us. Family teaches us this bonding that happens to be. I mean, this is true in a biological sense, right? It's the creation of families that keeps the species going, but it's true in this much larger sense. Just like our body is one body composed of trillions of cells, society, culture, church, any number, any of the groups that we're a part of are, are a collection of billions of individuals grouped together in, in a few less billion families. And if you seek a healthy society, a faithful society, a loving society, anything that we would want from culture writ large, I believe you must start with forming healthy family units. You've got to get to the irreducible unit of this. I heard a metaphor uh, several years ago by a speaker that worked a lot with families. And he said, you know, when you have a pool, and your pool is dirty, you've got to figure out how to clean that pool. Well, what do you, how do you go about that? You can throw some stuff in there, but you really have to figure out first how to clean one molecule of water. Because at the end of the day, your pool is just a collection of billions or trillions, I don't know how many are in there, molecules of water in that pool. So to clean the whole thing, you've got to know how to clean one, you know, I, I looked this up because again, I'm not a scientist. Molecules, the smallest fundamental unit of a chemical compound. So we have atoms everywhere, but without the, the chemical reaction that bonds atoms together, we really don't have the things that we have. 
you can have hydrogen and you can have oxygen there, but in, until they form a bond with two hydrogen atoms and H2O, there we go, yeah, two hydrogen atoms and one oxygen atom there, until they form a molecule, you really don't have much to work with. But once they form a molecule, we might say an atom family, you have something to work with. And you've got to figure out then to clean that pool, how do you clean one of those molecules? And once you figure out, then you need a process for cleaning millions of them, billions of them, perhaps trillions of them over and over and over again and, and, and keep them clean. Uh, I believe Christ has gifted the family to the world. God has bred this into creation uh, as the process for creating a healthy society, a loving society, a faithful society in the world. So family is the fundamental building block of society. Getting more theological, family is a gift from God. Family is, or, or maybe it's more proper to say, family can be and should be among God's greatest gifts we're given. Like all of God's great gifts, it's there for our benefit. It's there for our growth. It's there for our enjoyment. It's also there to, to glorify and, and praise God when done well. I mean, if we think about it, how many of God's deepest blessings, deepest joy in life come through this gift of family, of, of marriage and parenting and grandparenting and brothering and sistering and aunting and uncling and, and the gift of lifelong relationships of people that, that change your diaper, you know, and they still love you all the way through. There's so many gifts that come with this gift of this or blessings that come with this gift of, of family. Yet we also have to recognize the human tendency to screw up God's gifts. And when families function as they're intended, they, they should be the place, the people where we experience the most of God's grace, where we have the deepest and longest opportunities to experience God's love through one another over a lifetime. But if families can be that place of deepest love, we know they can also be that place of deepest hurt and often longest lasting hurt. So, Given the stakes of family, have we raised the stakes high enough? Society itself is at stake. The, the future, right, of, of what love is in the world uh, is at stake. Th these questions to reflect on, how have I been shaped by family? Good and bad. Where do I, where do I need to give praise? Where do I need to reflect on the ways maybe I've been mal-shaped? Where do I need to repent for the hurt that I've bestowed on others? And how will we seek to live in such a way that Christ can create in and through me faithful families around me in the places where I exist? The stakes are high. Family is the setting for the passage in Joshua. That's our passage this morning. It comes near the end of Joshua's life. 
you know the backstory. Debbie gave us a little bit of it, of this these people Joshua inherited from Moses, this group of, of runaway slaves that had spent 40 years wandering in the desert. Uh, they now uh, had fought some battles and they'd been, sh- they'd been given the law of God. They'd been given the presence of God. They had received manna in the desert. They had had 40 years how, how to relearn how to be God's people. 40 years, we might say, of healing from the, the trauma and the abuse and the, the awfulness of 400 years of slavery, which 40 years is not long enough, but it, but it was considerable time. 40 years for a new generation that didn't know Egypt to be raised up and ready to go into this promised land God had given them. And now they had fought some battles and God was about to, or God had given them, excuse me, the land he had promised them. And near the end of Joshua's life, like at the end of Moses' life, he wanted to round the people up and remind them of a few things. Tell the story again. The people of God have a story. The people of God have a history, just like our families have a story. Our families have history. What do you do when you get together with your family? You end up telling stories you all know that you've all heard many times before, but you tell them again. You laugh at the same places. You cry at the same places because it's important to know the story of your family, to pass that on to future generations. And he, he warned them of a few things. He said, you know, you, they were in the land now, they were homeowners, largely of homes they didn't build, that they took from others. They were vineyard owners from uh, of vines they didn't plant. They could make their own life in this new place. There's incredible opportunity for God's people that hadn't existed in 500 years. They had new opportunities they had never had for so long. They could have a stable life in one place they could call their own where someone else wasn't calling the shots or they weren't wandering around. And God had promised them that they would be taken care of, that it would go well with them if they remembered that all of they had, all they had, the houses, the families, the vineyards, the the businesses, the land, the, the breath in their lungs itself was all given by a gift. It was a gift from God. Their house was a gift from God. Their vineyard was really a gift from God and that used to belong to a Canaanite, their their husband or their wife or their kids or their family, their their grandparents, whoever it was, was a gift from God. Their children running around them were little gifts from God. The air they breathed was a gift from God. The whole family, their whole life, everything they saw or touched or took in in a given day, all of it was one great gift from God unceasing, lifelong gift from God. And if they remembered all this was a gift, which is to say they didn't cling to it, they gave thanks for it, they worshiped God for it, they gave of what they had back to God for it, it would go well with them. God's blessing, God's favor would be upon them. They would retain what God had given them. But if they were tempted to think what they had was theirs, if they were tempted to take what God had given them for granted, that their wealth was a product of their work, or if they believed they deserved all they had, or it was their national right, if they turned from trust in God to trust in ownership, it would not go well with them. Joshua, like Moses before him, stood before the people 
before he died and sought to remind them whose they were. They were God's people, how God had provided for them, how God had protected for them, protected them, how he implored them to continue to choose, excuse me, again and again to be God's people. Remember, and he tells the story, remember Abraham, how God called them and he travels this land and God gave it to him. Remember Moses and Aaron, how our people were delivered from slavery and how the sea crashed over the Egyptian, but, but we were saved. Remember how this was the land of the Amorites, but God delivered victory for us. And remember when God caused that donkey to talk to Balaam and, and you then blessed you and you were victorious against Balaam. Remember how those walls of Jericho fell when we, I mean, remember how God has been with you and for you and, and worked on your behalf and blessed you and blessed you and blessed you over and over again. Remember all of that? Remember, I've given you a land on which you did not toil, cities you did not build, and you'd live in them and eat from vineyards and olive groves you didn't plant. And he gets to the end and says, now fear the Lord Serve him with all faithfulness. Throw away the gods of your forefathers worshiped and throw away anything that would remove your trust from God. And if serving God doesn't seem good for you, find something that will. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. How do we form faithful families? What Joshua was teaching the people was active memory. To look back on all that had happened to them, the good and the bad, and to remember how through the good and the bad, God had remained faithful. There were parts they had to wonder where God was at work and look really hard, but, but over there were points also where God kept showing up. And they needed to use that path as a slingshot into their future. That if God has shown up for us at each of these stages, even though there's pain in that past, even though there's loss in that past, even though there, for them there was trauma in that past, they could still see God's redemptive work and that it should have been enough to help carry them forward, to remember there would be pain in their future as well, but also joy, and God would be, God would be there with them along the way to form faithful families in the present and the future, to be a good steward of this gift of family that we have received and that we are called to steward. We must come to grips with our experience of family in the past give thanks for the ways we've been positively shaped, where we experienced love and support and grace and forgiveness, where we saw Christ's likeness at work when we were young and, and how it shaped us. And to reflect on those places our, our family was less than perfect. The ways we were shaped that maybe left us malformed and need to be reshaped. And after asking them to remember what Joshua did, Remember, he makes this commitment and invites the nation itself to make it along with him. As for me and my house, my family, my people, we will serve the Lord. How do we form faithful families? We look back and reflect and hopefully grow from 
the experience we've had. We also put our stake in the ground and commit our ways to say, there's really nothing we can do to form faithful families. This is a gift Jesus gives us, a gift of the Spirit, but, but we can position ourselves, like we've talked about many of times, we can live in such a way to position ourselves to receive what God has to give. That we will commit our age, whatever our story, whatever, and we got a lot of stories among us. We can start today, we can start in this season, we can commit our way moving forward to say, as for those that I love, those that are around me, those I have some influence on as a, a son or a daughter, a father or a mother, a sister or a brother, an aunt or an uncle, a cousin, a, a godmother, godfather, friend, chosen family, adopted family, blood family, whatever of the many roles we play in our families, for my role, I will seek to be the presence of Jesus in those places. For my role in this whole family system of which I play several roles, I will attempt to exude the fruits of the Spirit in those places. I will attempt to, to shape this group of people in ways that honor Christ and seek Christ and pray for the blessing of God to be known in their lives. We will commit to the way of Jesus. It's appropriate that we're observing the Lord's Supper, communion, today. For as we talk about every month when we do this, this supper is an opportunity to press restart on our month or our life. It's our opportunity to have some time and, and, and space in busy lives to reflect on the Spirit's movement in our life, on, on the, the impact of Jesus' sacrifice and the life and death and resurrection of Jesus in, in our lives, how that, how that figures into our everyday, how we live and how it upholds us. It, it gives us space to say, boy, I, I've kind of gotten a little got a little wonky in things this month. You know, I'm a little, I'm a little off track here and, and I need to repent of that and turn my way back to Jesus. It gives us opportunities to consider those ways we've fallen short of God's hope for us, of God's dream for us. And, and we want to challenge ourselves anew through the spirit to live for him anew this week, this month, this year. This is an opportunity to, to put these two questions to the test, to, to reflect on them. And that's what be my challenge as we deliver in a minute, the deacons will, and deacons, y'all are welcome to come on down. As we deliver the elements to you, as bread and, and juice will be delivered to you, as it comes to you, reflect upon perhaps during the bread. How has your family shaped you up to this point in your life? And we're gonna have a requiem tonight I hope it comes to mind, it probably will, the people that you miss in your family, many of whom blessed you and loved you. It's a good time to come tonight as family and remember them and, and give praise and thanks as beautiful music is played that we participate in for the gift of family. Thank you, deacons. How has family shaped you up to this point? And perhaps as the, the juice is delivered, to think about your role in the family you are now a part of, your role in shaping that in the way of Jesus. What is your role in shaping faithful families today? We hope you enjoyed your segment of the Trinity Baptist Church podcast with senior pastor, Matt Homeyer. Join us next week for another segment. For more information about our church and to keep up to date with the latest resources, visit our website at trinitybaptist.org.